It is so good to be back in our home church. Always, yeah. <laughs> yeah, whenever we go to a different church, there's always this wrestling match with my children because they like to be here. So they're, why can't we go to our church, they always say. And we always get to tell them, we'll go back to our church. Don't worry. This is just one, one Sunday or two Sundays. So I, I always want to say when I come back how grateful I am, uh, how much you love my children. I'm really grateful for that. I'm grateful for the space you give them in the church, for the way that you love them. As they came in this morning, I saw Nabil chasing them down and trying to capture them and pick them up and shake them. And it's great. You know, they, they really feel like this is a place for him. Go, going to Honduras uh, with Bahij and Ramsey and coming back, and now, now the deep friendship that they have. And, and um, we were having a birthday party for, um, for Amaya recently, and um, Christy said, you, know, you don't need to invite them and, and Corey and Alexa. You know, they don't want to hang out with all the little kids. And I told that to Corey and Alexa, and they said, what? We want to be there. So it's just it's great that um, you invest so heartily into my children. It's really important to me, and so I thank you. Last time I was preaching, we opened up John 20 together. You might remember that. It's been three weeks. We opened up John 20 together, and there we find Jesus in one of his uh, appearances after the resurrection. So he's, he's already been crucified. Uh, he's, he's been killed. He's risen from the grave. And so on Easter, we celebrate that rising from the grave. And now here, between Easter and Pentecost, we're in what's called Easter Tide, the Easter season. And we're celebrating this Easter season with the resurrection appearances of Christ. Okay, so today we're going to continue with that story. So it's, we, we are finding in, in John 20, in that first part, the disciples, were, remember, they were afraid. They locked themselves in the room. And then who comes and stands before them? Jesus. And he says those words we talked about last time. Peace be with you. We talked about that word, erene, or shalom, peace, and how that conquers our fears, how that snuffs out the fears. In fact, Jesus wants to offer you peace so that you can have freedom, so you can live the life that he designed you to live from the very beginning of of creation. Um, So he comes to that point, and then um, part of the interesting thing about that encounter is someone's not there. Who is not there? Thomas. Now, we're not told why Thomas is not there. And I like that. I appreciate that. It lets us kind of use our imaginations. Thomas is not there. Perhaps he didn't want to be there. Perhaps it was just by accident that he wasn't there. Either way, uh, Thomas is missing out on this encounter with Jesus. And that is so helpful for me, I think for all of us, because we all go through times in our life, in in our faith life, in which we wish, we wish that we had had that encounter that others might express. Or we wish that the Lord would meet us in that issue that we're dealing with. We wish that, that the presence of God or, or the blessing of God would come to us in that tangible way. In that way that we can see, that we could name, that we could point to. And then what we do experience in our lives, like Thomas, is, wait a second, I'm missing out on that experience I'm missing out on that blessing of Jesus in my life. We get confused. We even get frustrated. We even begin to have doubts. Jesus, when he 
uh, raises Lazarus from the grave. The story actually before he raises Lazarus is just as important. It says that Jesus comes to the town where Lazarus lived, the town of Bethany. It's by Jerusalem. And as Jesus comes, uh, Lazarus, who has now died, has two sisters. What are their names? Mary and Martha. Okay? Mary and Martha come out to meet Jesus as he is coming. And what do both Mary and Martha say to Jesus when they see him? Do you remember? If you had been here, Lord, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. They're, they're mourning the loss of their brother. And when Jesus comes, it's almost, it's almost like they're accusing Jesus. Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. You hear behind that question, why? Why did you not come earlier? Why has there been this delay in your presence in my life? What is behind this, Lord? Why must I wait when I can see that if you had been here, I wouldn't be going through this situation? So they're, they're first we see here Mary and Martha expressing this, this question. But also, just as important, notice that even in that questioning, who are they talking with? Notice that right when Jesus gets there, their first instinct is to still go to Jesus. They're still drawn to Jesus. They have seen the miracles that he has done. They have heard the words of hope that he has offered. They're coming to understand that he is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is the one that has come to make all things new, to put an end to death. They are drawn in to Jesus. I was leaving my house the other morning. Beautiful morning. It's a beautiful morning. Got the soundtrack in my head. I'm going out to my car. I'm just excited to be back and working with CPPC and after vacation. And I'm getting to my car, and as I'm, I'm opening the door, uh, two, two children are coming down the street. I'm guessing they're an older and a younger sister. One of them... Uh, the younger sister is on a scooter, uh, like one of those Razor scooters, on the sidewalk, okay, on my right as I'm opening my door. And the older sister comes to my left uh, on a skateboard in the street. So I get in my car, and I immediately think, I wonder what's going to happen. My house, right after you leave, right after you pull out into the street, there is about a hundred-yard drop-off of a hill down Okay? And that then tees into another street like this. So my house, drop off another street. And these two girls were going right for the drop off. And I'm thinking this can either be great or terrible. It's either going to be the ride of their lives or they're going to fall off and break something. So I was interested. What's going to happen? You know? So I get in my car and I pull out. And I'm coming down and uh, I get... Right before the drop-off, I get to the side, and here is the younger sister still on her scooter. <laughs> I look back, and now the older sister is running. <laughs> and I look in front of my car, and her skateboard is now free and just bolting down the hill all by itself. Now, just up ahead, there was a parked car. So maybe she and, as I was thinking, perhaps the skateboard would hit the back tire and just stop. Well, 
the car was a little too far off the curb. The skateboard just kept going straight down the hill, gaining more and more momentum. Now, when you get to the bottom of my hill, there is another street that comes up. Not a lot of traffic, but still, it is blind. You cannot see what's coming. And people come up there, even though the speed limit is 25, they're going 35, right? So I start to worry. I start to get anxious because this girl is running after her skateboard. Luckily, she gets to the bottom, and she stops. And I see immediately why. A car, a white car, comes up, and at just the perfect time, I mean, the timing of this, the car comes through, the skateboard careens into the intersection, just misses the front tire, goes under the car, and the back tires snap the skateboard in half. It was awesome! I was like, all my, all my physics love just came out in that moment. Like, all the things that had to be right for, for the, the skateboard to get just, had to be released at just the right moment to go down the hill and, and have that perfect collision with that car snapped right in half. I felt bad for the girl, you know, but, but it, was, it was this moment in which I was reminded back in my physics days, and as we study things like the equations that would make all this work, what was the important force here to make that skateboard go down the hill? Gravity. Gravity is something you don't need to study physics to understand, right? We all have daily experience with gravity, okay? Um, gravity keeps us grounded. <laughs> gravity is what allows us to do pretty much everything that we've grown accustomed to do living here on Earth. Gravity is what draws us in. It draws us down. It's what takes that skateboard and, and ultimately... It's what pulled that skateboard into the encounter with that car. Gravity is something that uh, we experience. It's something that we know. It's something that's built into this world. And today we're going to see there is a gravitational field in our lives that's not just a physics gravity. There's also a spiritual gravity in your life. There's also a spiritual gravity that, like Mary and Martha, that pulls us in. Even when we have our questions, even when we have our doubts, there is this gravitational field of God that's pulling us. In Psalms, actually, in Romans, we see this. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. We are without excuse in knowing that there is a God. We are without excuse in knowing that we are being drawn into this divine, into this holiness, into this uh, experience that God exists. Paul says we are without excuse because when you stand over the Grand Canyon and you feel your mortality, you're reminded of the creator. When you look up into the heavens, when you study physics and realize how small we are, we, we are constantly reminded by the natural world that there is creator and that we are finite. Or as Psalm 19 says, we began our service with these words. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. What does that mean? Night after night, they reveal knowledge. 
They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet, their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. The word glory is used throughout Scripture to describe God. Do you know what the, the, uh, the word glory in Hebrew actually translates to? It means uh, a weighty, the weightiness of God, the weight of God. When we see the word glory, we're talking about that which makes God weighty, his that, that mass of God. And, and I love this, having studied physics, because we can understand weight as that idea of, of that which uh, weight pulls us with its gravitational force. The glory of God is such that, the weightiness of God is such that it, it, it weighs down everything so that we are pulled in to God. We see it in creation. We see it in, uh, in the ways of we, uh, when we're reading scripture. We see it in the ways in which we experience life. And as we go and we live daily, what we find is the glory of God, the weightiness of God. And it, for us, the experience for us is as if we're living our lives constantly in this invisible field of force, this constant invisible gravitational pull, this constant attraction to God. We can't always name it. We don't always recognize it, but it is always there. We forget about it. We go on living and we, we, we are, grow accustomed to finding rhythms of life that work around that gravitational pull, just like you didn't think this morning as you go out of bed, oh, gravity's still working today, and you didn't go to the bathroom. No. You, just like that, in all of our lives, we wake up and we don't always think, oh, the gravitational pull of God in my life, it's still there. We don't always think this way. The purpose that God has for me, it's still pulling me. Jesus Christ, the grace that brings me into eternal life, it still holds me. We don't think that way daily, but it's there. It's the glory of God. It's the weightiness of God constantly in our life. The Westminster Confession of Faith begins by asking, what's the chief end of man? The answer is? Woo! Ten points for Patty. Get a gold star. The chief end, it says, of being human is to glorify God. That is, to recognize the weightiness of God. To recognize that each day there is a gravitational, spiritual gravitational pull upon your life to God. And that we are oriented ultimately. We are ultimately drawn into God. And the best use of our life is to not resist. The best use of our life is to not resist. Thomas is caught in God's gravity. Even, even though we're about to see that he cannot, he is not yet ready to land. It's like if God were the planet. He's caught in this gravitational pull, but he's still, he's still resisting. He still can't land, but he's caught in it. Let's read this. John 20. So Jesus has already come. The disciples have told Thomas, Dude, you missed it! We were all in a room together. The doors were locked. We didn't want to get arrested and killed. But Jesus came. And it was really him. We, we saw the nails in his hands and, and, and the, the hole in his side. He was with us, really there. And then so Thomas says. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, 
and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them. Two things here. One, Thomas doubts. In fact, isn't that the name we often hear about Thomas? He is doubting. Doubting Thomas. What a bad rap. Doubting Thomas. Okay? We don't give Peter that name, by the way. Peter, Peter denies Christ three times out in the garden. We don't give him some name like that. Oh, anyways, I'll get to that later. This is, one, this is one of my pet peeves about Christianity. Is Why does Thomas have such a bad rap? He's just like all the other guys. Okay, so we have Thomas, and on the one sense, like I said, he is caught in this gravitational pull. He's been in that gravitational pull, spinning around Jesus now for three years, right with him. You know, Jesus, if we talk about this back to physics, sorry, I guess it's a physics day. What have we called those places in space that are really, really, really tiny, but have an incredible amount of mass so that everything's pulled into them? Black hole. Good job. We're all watching the Discovery Channel, huh? Great. Yeah, black holes, okay? Now, when Jesus is here on earth, it's something like a divine black hole, okay? This is all the fullness of God, all the glory to God, the weightiness of God, the mass of God itself, enclosed in Jesus, enclosed in that person. And we see that as you walk the earth, people flock to him. There's a couple places in Scripture where it says Jesus uh, was in the lake and he landed. And it says people from all over the region ran, <laughs> ran to meet him. Can you imagine that today? Like saying someone's outside and people running out there to meet, to meet him. They ran out to meet him because there was this gravitational pull. And not just a physical one, but the spirituality was there too. This is the one who, who in, just with his words, could manipulate storms or heal people or bring someone back from the dead. There was a lot of spiritual mass there in Jesus, like this spiritual black hole, all the weightiness of God in that small, that small space. Thomas knew this. He saw this. He experienced it. Thomas could not deny that pull upon his life. I want you to think for a moment about the pull upon your life. Yeah, I know. There have been things that have been hard. It's the truth for all of us, okay? There have been things that have been hard. But in the midst of that hardship, can you stop and and think over your life and see how you have been caught in this gravitational pull of God? At different times in our lives, we can look back and we say, oh, wow, I'm very thankful that the Lord has been sovereign, that the Lord has been pulling me in, that I got to meet that person or I got to get that that job or I, I had that experience that brought me closer to him. What, whatever it is, we are caught in this gravitational pull of God in our life. Maybe for you it's, it's the reading certain scriptures and, and how that informs your life and your faith. Thomas here is in that gravitational pull. And how do I know this? He has these doubts. He expresses them very without any uncertain terms. And yet, where is he next week? As he left the church? He is in that room with the disciples a week later. Man, he could have been bitter. Why didn't I get an experience with Jesus? 
he could have been so turned off. He could have begun to push away the idea of being caught in that gravitational pull. Instead, where is he found a week later? In the community of faith. You see, instead of calling him Doubting Thomas, I'd rather call him Honest Thomas. Doesn't it sound better, too? Honest Thomas. Let's start a movement. Let's call him Honest Thomas from here on out. Honest Thomas. He's honest about his doubt, okay? He's honest that there is a a gravitational pull, a weightiness of God that he cannot deny. God is pulling on his life in ways that he can't really explain, but also in some ways that he can't believe yet. Okay? He's honest about that. It's there, but I don't understand it. He's there. He's being pulled into God, but he can't finally come to rest. He can't land. Okay? It's like in that spaceship going around, going around, going around, but, but he's still firing off those rockets and keeping himself from being pulled in and landing. He still is, because of what he's thinking in his head, his logic, or be, perhaps it's an emotional decision, perhaps it's spiritual warfare. There are these things that are happening within him that, that are, even though he feels the pull, is keeping him away from finally landing. And what would, be, what would be the blessing of landing? We talked about this last time. Jesus says, what does Jesus say when he comes to them? Peace. Shalom. And what does that mean? Wholeness. It means being put your life together. Wholeness. Spiritual, emotional, mental wholeness. Completeness. That's the promise for landing. Thomas perhaps even understands this, but still, still. Honest Thomas. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. It's one of the most powerful confessions that we have in Holy Scripture. And it's done by one that we classically have called doubting Thomas. Rather, this honest Thomas, even with his doubts, stays in the community of faith and continues, continues down the journey of better understanding this pull. And finally, finally he gets to a moment in which he can land. Finally he gets to the moment when he can be on terra firma, when he can, we can lay down his feet upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And what is that experience of landing? The confession 
when Thomas is able to finally say, finally confess, finally bear testimony to these words, Jesus, my Lord and my God. In that moment, the wave of peace, the shalom, it covers him. That force that's been pulling him in, that's offering him the eternal life, abundant life now, finally, finally, Thomas, honest Thomas, staying in the community of faith, being in community in smaller group settings, perhaps we could see those 12 as like a life fellowship group. Coming into church, they gathered together on that Lord's Day. They gathered together to be uh, as a church family. And Jesus comes finally for doubting Thomas. For you in your life, there are going to be times in which saying, my Lord and my God is going to be hard. My prayer is that every single one of us will have already said that. And each day we need to say it again. This needs to be ever on our lips. My Lord and my God. Glorifying God. Recognizing the weightiness of God. Saying my Lord and my God is acknowledging that we can land upon Jesus Christ as the solid rock. That we can have our peace in him. And for many people that we know, people that are even a part of this church, and for people that we're friends with, we know that they are, they are being pulled in by God, and there is this attractional spiritual force upon their life that it's still a little confusing, and they have not had the chance to land yet. And we as Canoga Park Presbyterian Church, we need to be a, a place where people can, can come and explore that, that pull, explore the weightiness of God, explore how God is pulling on them, explore the gravity of God, and also, we exist to be a place where we open up that baptismal font so that when people say, finally, when they land, when they give in to that gravity of God, when they say, Jesus, you are my Lord, my Savior, Jesus, you are my God, we also, as a community of faith, we also, as a church, we're God's design for people to land. The church, this church, needs to understand itself as a landing pad for belief and faith in Jesus Christ. The baptismal font is like a landing pad for people to finally land upon the peace and the hope of Jesus Christ. Our goal as a church is to be that place where people can come in from wherever they are to explore that gravitational field together, to explore the weight of God, to explore the call of Christ upon us, to have peace. And ultimately, the purpose is to be opening up that baptismal font so that people can know and land on that confession of thorough and complete wholeness, of peace in my life forevermore as we put water upon them. For Christ's love compels us Because we are convinced that one died for all. That's Jesus. And therefore all died. That's you. Have you thought about that before? One person died, therefore all died? That's not logical. But it's God's gravitational pull. He died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died. For them. And was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, 
If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. When you land on the confession of Jesus Christ, my Lord and my God, when that baptismal water comes upon you, now a new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And all this is from God, who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It is your role and work in your life, not to run a business, not to have fun playing basketball, Those are means by which we are ministers of reconciliation. Did you get that? And I don't mean it in uncertain... I mean, this this might seem like a challenge because it is. (laughs) We live in our lives daily, and we do awesome things. God gives us the ability to, to work, to have friends, to have hobbies, and all these things, to be ministers of reconciliation. To be people that explore this gravitational pull of God in our own lives and the goodness it is for my life and ultimately then to bring people into this community of faith where together they see us doing that glorifying God pointing to the weightiness of God and ultimately opening up that baptismal font putting the water upon our heads in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit He has committed to us the message of reconciliation Everything that pulls you in this life. Everything. If it's true, if you're going to a rally for social justice, if, if, you're, um, if you're concerned about a loved one who is ill, if you're concerned about a child um, that you're trying to raise uh, and get them into a good school, or whatever that might be, whatever is pulling you, whatever hobby you enjoy, all these things, there's truth to them, but behind them ultimately is God pulling you into his goodness. If you're pulled by nature to go out hiking, to go to the beach, good. There's truth, there's goodness in there, but ultimately, they are not ends in and of themselves. A great idea for social reconciliation will always just be a great idea. A cause will always just be a cause. A beautiful hike will always just be a beautiful hike. The only real substance, the only real weightiness in this world is the truth of God and his holy scriptures. And when we are willing to land upon the only weight in this world, which is Jesus Christ, then we're going to have Irene, shalom, peace. The only real substance, the only center of mass for us to land on Every other pursuit in this life, though it be great, you will never find peace. There will always be a sense that it's not complete. No matter what you try and do with your life, no matter what you try and find your your hope and your peace within, if you're not landing upon the good news of Jesus Christ, it's it's like you know you're being pulled to something, but you never actually land there. Your entire life can be lived this way. And I so desire for each of us here and for our friends and and our family and, and people that we've never met I so desire that they would find us a place where they, they can learn how to land on Jesus Christ. And they would know peace in their life. They would know Irene. They would know Shalom. They would be able to say the words, My Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him to Thomas, Blessed, or sorry, because... You have seen me. You have believed. But blessed are those 
who have not seen and yet have believed. And I'll leave this story with you. There was a, a man who was coming to Jesus. And his son is, is ill, mentally ill. Even says he's possessed. And as Jesus is talking with him, um, basically the, the man's asking Jesus if he would heal his son. He knows the gravitational field. He realizes that Jesus is this black hole, is this center of mass where, where the weightiness of God is kept. And so he comes to Jesus, and in Mark 9, you can read this later, but starting in the 22nd verse, this is what the man says. But if you can do anything, Jesus, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus answered, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe. And yet, help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe. I know I'm being pulled in. I know that you are the weightiness of God. I know that, Jesus Christ, you are the Lord and the God. And still, my mind, my emotions, still, I can't land. It's hard to land. There's something that holds me. This is for us. This is a gift to the church. This is a prayer that we can pray. This is like honest Thomas-type praying. Lord, I believe, and help me in my unbelief. I'm willing to say, Lord, I believe. I also need you to help me in my unbelief. We're going to enter a time of self-offering. So we'll be collecting our morning morning tithes, uh, giving our money to the work of the church, Also, I'm going to invite you, we're going to leave um, this image up, and I'm going to invite you into a moment of self-reflection. And I want you either say, my Lord and my God, enter into that conversation with the Lord in prayer, or maybe your conversation is, I I need help with my unbelief. I, I can tell there's a gravitational pull. I don't know what that's about. Help me in my unbelief. So, We're going to open up this time. The song that you'll hear is called You Will Not Relent. You Won't Relent. A song that speaks of God's uh, pull upon us that's always there. It's constantly there. And it will always be there. The goodness of God is that we are pulled in at all times. If you are going through hardship, if you are mourning, if you are in pain, if you're going through depression, anxiety, if you're going through hardship at work, God's gravity is always going to be pulling you into himself. The peace of God is always drawing you in. Jesus wants nothing more for you than to finally land upon his peace and for that to be, a, and that to be your, your experience in life. We say, you know, welcome Jesus into your heart. What does that mean? That means you say, Jesus, you are my Lord, you are my God. And when you do this, the purpose of God, the truth of God's forgiveness of your sins, the truth that you have eternal life, all these things are, are what can give you his promised peace, his peace. So in this time of self-offering, let me open this time with prayer and give you the opportunity to be responding in faith. Heavenly Father, I thank you for honest Thomas. I thank you for Mary and Martha. I thank you for the father who prays for his son. 
Lord, I thank you for each one of us here, caught in the gravity of God, caught in your pole. Lord, may you use this time, may your Holy Spirit use this time for each of us to recognize the pole, to say, my Lord, my God, help me in my unbelief. Use this time as you see it. Amen. Thank you.